नमस्ते सनातन धर्मा एंड योगा टुडे इज द इंटरनेशनल योगा डे बीइंग 21 जून आई थिंक 2015 इट वाज डिक्लेयर्ड बट इट्स इंटरेस्टिंग दैट द डेट ऑन व्हिच इट हैज बीन डिक्लेयर्ड टू बी द इंटरनेशनल योगा डे आल्सो हैपेंस टू बी द डे ऑन व्हिच आर्या वाज डिक्लेयर्ड इट वाज नॉट रिलीज द फर्स्ट Uh, issue came out on 15th august uh, 1914 but the declaration because you have to send a pre publication thing and people have to those who want to uh, contribute or those who want to subscribe to the journal this declaration was made on 21st june 1914 so this has not been done obviously consciously but the fact that the two dates coincide is a sign of uh, one of the actions many actions but one of the actions of the supramental force working in creation why uh, i say so with regard to yoga is when we read the synthesis in the very first issue the first page of synthesis of yoga what today we have the book as the synthesis of yoga where shurbindo in the arya speaks about uh, the world today it's like somebody is watching from the himalayan heights or maybe galactic heights <laughs> about all that is going on and he is saying that the world today presents like a cauldron of media where all kinds of things are being shredded and uh, once again their potential for future utility is being explored and he says among them one of the things among them is yoga indian yoga and he says however yoga which is a child of antiquity ancient times immemorial ages still must rediscover itself before it can be truly useful otherwise uh, the name is bound to it is stepping out of the mystic caves and going out into the world so we see that this declaration which shubhendra makes in 1914 uh, started coming true from 1960 onwards which is after the supramental manifestation we see that yoga became a household word apparently or um, strangely through the back door well in america research was done on yoga and after yoga and meditation yoga meaning thereby certain asanas their benefits and meditation and the scientists confirmed that yes it has benefits so it caught the imagination of people and from there we see that it has systematically trickled more and more more and more and today we have the international yoga day where the world celebrates in as per the united nations assembly declaration it has been declared as the international yoga day so the first part of the prophecy is fulfilled but this is the second part that it must first discover itself and that's where people uh, need to be uh, careful that this this is the beginning not the end of the uh, the journey of yoga in the world so what really is yoga so there has never been an age of mankind when yoga was not given to man so when we turn towards the origins of yoga nowadays modern writers will say it is patanjali who gave the yoga but obviously this is uh, yoga is way way back what patanjali did was to codify he brought out uh, he was like he was trying to synthesize the different ways of life and thereby he gave the ashtanga yoga which is a codification he codified that step 1 step 2 step 3 step 4 uh, that's how you know the yoga can be practiced and that became very popular very much it caught the mind of the race because 
it gives you a certain steps through which you move and in those steps asana and pranayam are only two limbs which come in between so very often people take it that asana is synonymous as yoga no in fact yoga patanjali's uh, ashtang yoga it starts with yamniyam which is uh, i won't say near impossible but extremely difficult for anyone to practice so the very first qualification for yoga it becomes a non starter why because purification is so fundamentally important to any yogic process because yoga is a means of the human limited human consciousness to unite with the infinite can it bear the onrush of the infinite can it enter into the infinite without losing its balance its hold because it's like takes away all these systems and props mental props beliefs non beliefs on which crutches on which the human consciousness stands in within which it is tied it it opens the bars of a prison to utter freedom so while the sky is beautiful but uh, flying in the skies can be very intimidating so that's the whole challenge of yoga and therefore yama and niyama some kind of purification which is important in every yoga only in patanjali's yoga sutra we see certain five yamas yama is restrain things not to be done niyam or things which are to be done so there is a list of things to be done it's like a moral and ethical purification which it speaks about then there is asana and pranayama to stabilize or strengthen keep the body and the life force moving in good health in a harmonious way why because the real yoga will begin now and will begin with pratyahar with drawing of consciousness from the outside world then you have the dharana now holding you have withdrawn the consciousness from outside world uh, but where do you fix it because normally consciousness is flowing outward so i was just speaking today this morning to someone that uh, the this uh, human body is described in uh, one of the puranas as uh, a city with nine gates so we have the two eyes uh, two ears two nostrils one nose and one mouth seven gates then the organ of reproduction and the organ of excretion these are the nine gates through which the consciousness flows outside and it fixes itself on the sense objects this is the usual um, tendency and why it does that there is a different Uh, metaphysical foundation behind it but we need not go into that so this is how the human body is constituted and the consciousness is constantly flowing outward so it has to be withdrawn inside first of all if we have to really practice yoga and that process of withdrawing inside is described like a turtle or a tortoise destroys uh, withdraws its limbs back into the shell so why does it withdraw by doing it it becomes immune impervious to all the attacks so that the beauty of the tortoise very slow moving and whether it can beat a hare or not in a race but it can certainly beat the most tenacious predator simply by the fact that it knows how to withdraw its limbs inside so that's that's why that's one of its specialties and this process of withdrawing consciousness from outside is called as pratyahar and then ahar literally means taking in so from there comes you know ahar is not food but all that we take inside so pratyahar but then it has to be fixed inside so there the purana says that not only there are this city has nine gates which are outside there are two gates which are inside the purana says one but we can use the word two through which we can meet the owner of the house of the city so 
whether we call it a city or a house, there where we can meet. He is dwelling in a sanctum sanctorum, just like in a big company, many workers are working, but they do not know who the owner is. They have heard the name, so we are like that. There are many many workers working within this body. Whom we call as the gods. There are thirty-three million gods. For each process, there is a god. Entire Vedic yoga used this process of invoking the gods, their powers, to make the body function better and better, to make the mind more luminous and bright, to even fashion this chariot, to even fashion immortality. We have ribhus, artisans of immortality. We have twastri, many of these gods. So that's one. So there are many managers who are managing the affairs. But only the highest top-ranking managers they know the owner. So they we have the trinity or quaternary depends upon how we uh, look at it. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, and Krishna. They have the utter privy and corresponding feminine powers, the the deities. So uh, without their grace, that's how the Vedic yoga goes through the gods. You cannot reach that point where you know the owner. But most uh, of the workers and uh, we ourselves, we are least bothered about it. We are happy to receive some crumbs, some wages for working here, for dwelling in this city. And the time comes when we have to leave it and go to another city. That's what is the process of tra- transmigration, which is an evolutionary process. Now, where does yoga step in all this? So, yoga steps in that. Well, uh, supposing we begin to wonder, uh, how can I meet the owner? the creator who has brought this universe into existence so here the theory of yoga comes or the practice of yoga comes is based on this fact that in man there is a possibility of creation meeting the creator so man is one of the creations one of the creatures but in him there is the dwelling of the creator within man and there is a possibility of meeting the creator and thereby Uh, many things can happen after that one of them is he can enter into utter freedom or as shurbindo says he can actually change this earthly life into a better diviner figure of the creator himself what he has the original plan in his mind so this process of creation joining the creator is what is yoga and we do not know the creator we are still searching for him so shivindu uses the word subconsciously we are still engaged in yoga so how we are searching for the creator unconsciously we are all wanting that ultimate power that ultimate knowledge uh, we are seeking it through books we are seeking it in human beings we are seeking it here there in science technology in several places we also want that ultimate bliss and we seek it we know through a number of things Uh, and yet we do not find it we are seeking that perfect love and yet we do not find it we are looking for that stable basis of truth but we do not find it because everything that we find as truth turns out to be only a step towards some ultimate truth truth by definition is that which is the last bedrock of existence where there is no degradation or degeneration it's the stable basis so we are unable to find it yet we are seeking we seek it as i said in various ways and uh, we get frustrated and we again try strive so this is how the journey continues of uh, subconscious yoga but a time comes when a human being uh, understand that within the human sphere everything is limited it takes sometimes great pains to understand this simple lesson <laughs> which is so obvious so that everything is limited everything is there 
everything call it and it is there and yet it is limited it's almost like a shadow play where you pick up something and you believe that by picking up a, a replica of taj mahal you pick up a vigray or even some god or something else you have found the original but you learn that no this is not the original the original cannot be accommodated even in the house so we find things and yet it is as it is called aadha adhura so we are leading half existence why because we are carrying a document whose one half is here the other half is elsewhere so we are like people who are carrying an inheritance inheritance is unlimited the debit card or credit card no the credit card okay but credit card is there with with the two or three important letters cut off so we have the number everything is there but we cannot apply it we know that it has been given to us by our papa and it is unlimited amount of bliss unlimited love unlimited wisdom unlimited power everything but we can't use it because the critical three letters uh, let's put those three uh, letters as a o a ma om okay the key is missing the central key so we are looking for that missing piece the chip to join together then the life can be fulfilled so this is the basic theory of yoga that uh, our life can only be fulfilled by joining the creator without that whatever we may do within this framework will always be incomplete so let's come back to the question where did it all begin since yoga is a way of joining the creator and there is no age in which yoga never existed because he has always given this path in various ways many of the paths have been lost because uh, there was no documentation and there are perhaps many more paths which individuals are following without knowing that they are into yoga so when we use the word path we are only talking about standardized paths so where did it all begin the first authentic place where we find the beginnings of yoga is very interesting it's not there on wikipedia it's not patanjali patanjali comes much later it yoga is given to man with the origin of creation by the creator himself so when shri krishna is asked by arjuna that what is all this you are teaching to me he says this not the first time i am teaching to you so whom did you teach it earlier any expect some human name and shri krishna says i first i gave it to the sun god vivaswan oh vivaswan he is the sun which you know moves around this soul and gives light and energy all creation is sun is the symbol of the creator in the material universe because if you see sun is the one because of whom because of the heat and light life blossoms and if this temperature goes a little higher which we are talking today the whole life can vanish if it goes a little lower life can vanish so it creates life sustains life through the journey of the earth seasons uh, new things blossom new possibilities emerge and eventually life can even dissolve so sun is the symbol of the creator so this is how he says first i give it to the sun of course this sun is not the material sun but sun at every level sun as the center of creation and in the technical language it's the vigyan mein or the super mind where this yoga divine establishes that is the seat of yoga because yoga is required once the creation begins that's the place from where the seeds of creation are released so there the yoga is placed so from vivaswan where does it go it goes to the solar dynasty so there are kings who guarded the yoga 
in the indian context we know that these kings of the solar dynasty were suryavanshis who were basically the ancestors of rama and it starts with ikshvaku so ikshvaku is the person who has been given the yoga by the sun that okay you have to conduct things according to the law of truth so he receives the yoga and it goes on goes on goes on right, right down to uh, shri ram and then it gets lost so shri krishna says it gets lost over a period of time and then it continues through some saints and sages then shri krishna is giving it again to arjuna so he says it's the original yoga which has been given to man and uh, there are as many paths as there are the rays of the sun literally that's what is meant by swami vivekananda's statement that a time will come when every person will have his own religion and that is the state of divine anarchy dreamed of by some not this anarchy <laughs> again divine communism not this communism so all these terms have their origin there but they are uh, misunderstood here so then to to discover the creator to join with him is yoga now there are many things which come under the name of yoga each is in a way has its own benefits the least it does is the least first step in yoga is this consciousness which is completely identified in the body and mind must first be released from it because you can't direct it anywhere so how it is uh, tied to the body through the sense objects we just spoke about it through the senses it's going outside and then the mind further ties it why because mind is constantly dwelling upon these very sense objects so whatever we see Uh, every day whatever we hear all that is registered somewhere and in sleep uh, body rests for a while <laughs> but the mind continues so therefore it keeps moving on the objects of the senses and then when we wake up uh, depending on what objects and what it does enter for a short while into what is known as a dreamless sleep so every day our consciousness which is otherwise tied to the external world withdraws from the senses into the mind and from the mind it withdraws into what the gita calls as the great self gita the gita speaks of this entire reversal of movement and then for few moments it spends there and comes back rejuvenated so this from the yogic standpoint this is the purpose of sleep this is what happens in everybody normally naturally but for if some reason the mind is too much preoccupied agitated restless anxious depressed then it cannot the consciousness is so badly fixed that it cannot withdraw sufficiently to touch this core and that's where we see that sleep disturbances leading to illnesses various kinds of breakdown because that rejuvenating factor which comes by touching that great self is missing so this is the first background so then basically if yoga is to join with the divine first is to release the consciousness from this bodily trap and the trap of the mind these are the true the senses and the body and the mind and there is a connecting link which is the life energy shabinder speaks of it as the isthmus so it is tied by these three bonds one is the bond of the body it is the toughest bond very difficult to release consciousness when it is tied to the body unless one practices equanimity in the physical we will see invariably that people sit for meditation and there is a fly there is something there is a fly in the mind there is a fly outside in the air. and so it doesn't let us get free from the body we'll see that people become so restless they are uh, 
sitting and after some time in the beginning they'll see that the legs begin to shake so to just teach the body to stay still this is one of the basic things of course higher practices of yoga it happens spontaneously but uh, these are few trainings by which asan to be able to hold the body in a certain posture for a sufficient time this is the basic requirement because if it is constantly agitated and restless we cannot release the consciousness from that agitated uh, physical nature so one is this then in each yogic system we will see there are practices which help the consciousness get released from the boundary so in hatha yoga it is the body so body becomes the means of release of consciousness out of this trap door it's not that it enters into freedom and forgets the body it's always tied to the body but fundamentally now consciousness is available to engage in yoga so how do we release from the body well according to the science of ayurveda according to the science of yoga there are several spots within the body which are there for the consciousness to be released into the subtle domains and those spots are called marmas so marmas are those speak points through which the universal is entering in like currents into the system so we can say there are there are points from which through which the stream of life can enter into the sea so these marmas we know that this was a whole science we have forgotten uh, of course people who practice martial arts know about this and in ayurveda people know about this and kalari pattu and all these this there is a whole science where you hit at a marma sthal and also acupressure where you press it a marma sthal but in yoga it's not used for this purposes but by different postures you will see that there is a point which is stressed and that point which is stressed is the point through which the consciousness is meant to escape and there are many such points so many such asanas and through each asana consciously done with a conscious thought that it is not done only for physical exercise because will is the crucial element if the will is i just want to be healthy then consciousness will operate the operating system is that i just want to be healthy but if the will is that i am doing this practice with the attitude and the will that i want to realize union with the divine then we'll see the results are very different because then even a single asana we don't have to do many asanas for a long time but even a single asana tends to release the consciousness because will and faith are the two most important elements in the human system so once it is released then you can play around with so there are partial yogas and there are complete yogas when consciousness begins to get released from the grip of the body it enters into subtle domains there are siddhis which come as a result of that and people may stop there and that's a partial yoga where the yoga's actual aim of freedom from ignorance joining the creator is not achieved one enters into mostly the vital worlds where we have these ashta siddhis Uh, we hear in hanuman ji's tale ast siddhi navanidhi ke data so these are the treasures which we discover inside and uh, some yogis uh, power can corrupt you it can even aggrandize you it can make you very egoistic so that's why pre- preliminary purification is not there and one enters into these it is very dangerous so we see many of these hatha yogas was practiced by the rakshasic and asuric kind of human being Uh, standing on one leg for hours and all this but it in some it helped like dhruv certainly dhruv practiced hatha yoga and we see that dhruv could attain the divine 
but in many others like you know hiranyakashipu and hiranyakashipu it led to an aggrandization of the ego because they got powers and they were lost in the glamour of power not that power is bad but certainly limited power which is limited from the infinite point of view but much more from the human point of view can be very dangerous because he immediately start controlling human beings start controlling the elements of creation like ravan did and therefore it can lead to an imbalance in creation when it is said that ravan captured the nine grahas so basically it means that he had such powers mother speaks of teo who could divert the lightning and she says i have seen it with my own eyes and though mother had all these powers she would very rarely use it sometimes she would keep the rain away if it were necessary but at one point she told her disciples when they were praying that mother let there be no rain today she said it's not good to interfere with these elements why because it creates an imbalance in creation so this kind of use of powers or misuse of powers they can be used they should be used under the dictate of the divine for a divine purpose supposing you see that there are uh, dark forces which are obstructing a certain kind of work then these powers can be used all great yogis use it but they should not be used as in the flow of ambition to prove a point or to to become a guru to rule over human beings that is where the danger lies so this is hatha yoga where through the practice of uh, asanas and almost every hatha yoga also uses pranayam because the two are interconnected and some hatha yogas also use bandhas and mudras through which the kundalini yoga or the awakening of this power not only through these pores but from the base of the spine where in material consciousness it is there the divine power is hidden even in the most material consciousness in the human body it is represented by the system of chakras by the first chakra or the mool aadhar that's why it's called is the base from which everything emerges in kundalini yoga this process is what is used as the most important predominant element again release of consciousness step by step until it passes through that uh, one gate in the city and enters into the infinite so this is the yoga where body is primarily involved in raj yoga it is primarily the mind so here the premise is that consciousness is involved in the body true but in human beings it's mainly centered in the mind mana prana sharir neta so how to do it so the it starts basically from mind control so we see in patanjali system asana pranayama occupying a very limited place and the whole thing goes about mind control before and mind control after earlier mind control through practice of certain kind of austerities later by fixing the consciousness on one object this one object can be a name it could be a form of the divine it could be a mantra it could be an image doesn't matter it could be the highest object which the yogis recommended was om uh, i was a bit surprised that you know om has been dropped out, <laughs> dropped out the yogi yogic syllabus okay it's understandable that you know this is age of secular thing but om is like the key so you you will have health benefit but the key is required to open the door which is what yoga is about if we don't open the doors to the creator in some way or at least to the higher worlds then the real aim is not fulfilled so without that yes we can do these exercises that's a different story altogether in raj yoga it is involved in the mind and there is mind control and by controlling the mind and its energies which are rushing out in hundred objects of the senses mind has its own powers it these powers begin to get released in a raj yogi so there is ishita vashita whatever you desire that gets fulfilled 
it's not necessarily instant gratification but subsequently uh, many people you know that book uh, whatever your wish will be fulfilled i don't know the secret or something it's very risky because we are not here to just fulfill our desires from the yogic standpoint but it's true that by controlling the mind it can become so powerful that if it desires it's not like a person who is desiring everything and therefore it will work out but if one has acquired a reasonable mastery of the mind then it's very potent and if such a mind desires we see such stories in in the lore in the puranas and many story of seers and yogis then the, mind, the the power of the mind goes and brings that object another siddhi is vashita vashita is actually uh, it's almost like samohan it it brings people unto into your control so there are some of these uh, yogis who do that that's why we see this yogis who want to expand their empire they get into this mode so very often people ask uh, why in shravinda yoga we don't have so many disciples because shravinda does not use those methods he had all these siddhis and nidhis he went way beyond but he doesn't use these methods to keep people he gives a fundamental freedom even to his own disciples he doesn't hold them by the powers vasita then there is vyapti so in vyapti your thought gets broadcasted into the whole universe then there is equally knowing the thoughts of others so these are the siddhis which come through raj yoga so hat yoga it's lagima garima anima mahima um, anima so we have already spoken about these things earlier and it's not so necessary to dwell upon it so in raj yoga the method is that for every uh, negative movement of the mind we substitute it by a positive movement so for hatred we substitute by love very consciously we don't uh, respond to hate by hate uh, if somebody has done something not very kind to you you respond with kindness and forgiveness so it trains the mind first to uh, that dark lower movement is substituted by a more beautiful movement in buddhist yoga it is used in raj yoga it is used even in shravindo's yoga shravindo the mother speaks about it how to cure evil and there she says gives one of this method is this method so uh, when the mind is trained and it becomes subtle because it's no more dense and gross indulging in gross movements so when it becomes subtle enough then its energies and its consciousness can be released and then it can be directed through dharana and dhyan towards samadhi samadhi is a state where one joins the divine and ordinarily one stays in that state uh, for some time if the body is there one has to come back because otherwise that cord will snap um, some yogis use it as the ultimate departure but others go just to create a kind of opening with the with that other half the the road to the creator it's open so this is one way the third part is there are partial yogas and complete yogas so partial yogas give us one glimpse of the infinite through a curtain so what is meant is that divine is infinite so you can't uh, label him only as this or that he is everything and transcends all that but so long as we are still caught up within the universal movement we see him either as impersonal or we see him as personal or we see him as the immobile brahman or we see him as the ishwara many ways we can you know there are many experiences again we see the ishwara himself reflected in one of the forms in shiva krishna brahma 
there also we can see them in their original forms and glories or lower down so there are partial yogas which give us a one sided partial glimpse so somebody let us say sees the divine shiva and usually shiva on the lower uh, lesser planes uh, will uh, make a cult of shiva which will be in contradiction to the cult of vishnu somebody may see um, the vishnu aspect as the divine and may miss out as the creator and miss out on the shiva aspect that's why in the higher conceptions of yoga we have the conception of hari har the tridev in which all three fuse and they go beyond so this is the these are partial glimpses complete glimpses where we have the complete vision of the divine the only place where it's beautifully described is the gita that's why shri krishna uses the word samagrama divine who transcends creation divine who is in the universe and the divine who is in each element of creation this is taking yoga to a completely new level different level so not only are we freed from ignorance and discover the hidden self the true self the creator within us but we also discover the creator and his workings in the cosmos and we discover the creator in his transcendent poise all three poises one must discover for the completeness of the realization but what about finally joining the creation with the creator because i may discover all this in my essential self uh, here just a note may be needed in this city of nine gates who is the manager we know the owner is the divine self the true self but the manager is usually the mind which is a construct of nature and that's why it is called as ego it's a construct or in some people it may not be the mind it may be the emotional center in still others it may be the navel that's what it is said that in ravan the kumb of immortality he was drawing his strength from the navel area we see these sumo wrestlers many of them so there are spots within at which the ego can locate itself there are some people who are always located in the belly so they will say things that's why it's called as the underbelly or not even the belly but the underbelly so the ego can ego is a construct of nature by putting a stress on this or that part predominantly it creates a type of variety of human being but let us hope uh, and assume that most human being through the process of evolution are largely centered in the mind and uh, mainly in the rational mind but that rational mind which we think is the me is not me it is only the manager the owner is the true self that's how the gita describes so to meet the true self we have seen this process of withdrawing from creation pratyahar fixing the consciousness on to that one single mantra idea form image until the door opens and there is a joining of the creator with the creation but it leaves one question unsolved and the question is what about this is also creation i am not the only fellow in the creation and what is joined the soul which was always belonging to the divine so here we see that shurbindo comes in and says no this instead of merging in the creator the soul in man can stand on the threshold of the merger and invoke the higher forces the higher powers the higher wisdom the higher bliss the higher love the wideness the beatitude to enter into creation first through a human vessel and in the human vessel the body brain different systems heart the vital energy and then through the human vessel radiate upon this entire earth in all that is around and through each other to the entire creation so if 
there are sufficient number of people who are engaged in this process. So, first reversal is from creation to the creator. There is the second reversal from the creator after joining back to the creation, but now bringing the unlimited into the limited, the infinite into the finite, the eternal into the play of time. So, this completes the whole cycle. Yoga started with creation and it cannot end by abruptly souls departing through a door of moksha out of creation. That would be absurd. It is completed by this creation itself becoming divine. It is limited right now because there have to be steps and stages and through steps and stages of evolution it is going toward that great culmination. That's why there are steps and stages. Each stage it must stabilize whatever energy is relevant or valid for that stage and after stabilizing it must go next step further because otherwise the whole creation can come tumbling down if one tries to make haste that's why yoga has to be done with a lot of patience steadiness perseverance at every level steadiness of faith steadiness of will and aspiration and if one tries to hurry there is every chance that one will slip down. It's not done by an impatient mind, impatient person with a doubting, hesitating mind. So, because why? Because immediate results do not come. I am talking now about the higher results. This is bound to take time. This is the whole process. And therefore, from the yogic perspective, all evolution is a manifestation. So, science, material science explains the material side of evolution. Explains rather documents it. It doesn't explain really. Their theories, but they don't explain. The yogic science explains the inner side of evolution. So, all evolution is for the uh, emergence of new forms which can manifest greater and greater possibilities of the divine, which who is beyond, within, around everything. Greater and greater possibilities, and these possibilities are infinite. So, step by step, evolution through evolution. Nature helps in the evolutionary process and within it there is a will which is encased in the yoga secretly and therefore better and higher forms of manifestation take place. And these better and higher forms have to be understood not in terms of survival but something uh, much better. We, you know, there is a very interesting story about it. A story is about, I mean not about it but we can use it. So there was a man, I am forgetting his name, who was um, an expert swimmer and very kind and compassionate person. So one day in a jungle, he saw that in a river, a tiger was drowning. So he was filled with compassion. <laughs> so he, It's a real story. So he, he entered into the cold current, swam to save the tiger. Now see, for the tiger, it is predatory instinct. Actually, it was not drowning. Tigers are expert swimmers. It was trying to hold a deer, but in the river, it was unable to do so. This man didn't realize he thought he's doing a great deed to save the tiger. And he, as he approached, suddenly the tiger realized that I have a better, better prey. <laughs> so he let go of the deer and started swimming towards this man. Being an expert swimmer, he came out. But it shows the two different approaches. One is the approach of the predatory instinct. So this survival theory which came is largely because uh, when we see the animals, life is affirming itself, therefore survival. But in human beings, this survival is 
already accomplished by the operation of the mental intelligence which operated in this man he understood that this uh, i have compassion but the tiger has only fear and rage and hunger so in human beings there is the possibility of a conscious evolution so not survival in in human beings the goal post changes and that is conscious evolution from the animal like survival instinct to a more rational to a more compassionate kind sympathetic loving wise courageous human being and etc etc and from that it can grow still further towards a greater divine consummation of our human self and a divine consummation of creation itself so this would complete the whole circle in this scheme man becomes a bridge between the creator and the creation without this bridge whatever schemes may be do now we come back to the united nations yoga day you may try whatever schemes one may but it is not going to change things because man remains the same so uh, interestingly in 1960 i think the secretary general of the united nations was youthant if i am not mistaken anyways whoever was the secretary general he made a remark interesting remark again after the supramental manifestation he made a remark that well if um, a new world order can be accomplished if world unity can be accomplished by changing human being we must find a way of changing human beings and this remark was conveyed to the mother and he says he is very receptive so you see again in united nations though we know that much of it is still hypocrisy and uh, but a seed has entered there so right now we are practicing yoga thanks to uh, both the indian prime minister and the united nations but we are actually practicing not yoga but asanas but the word has become common acceptable but as always happens that humanity first catches the husk and then it reaches the kernel you don't straight away by some magic extract the uh, grain of gold from the wheat plant you first you know take out the husk because you can't see that grain so let us hope that in this process there would be some people uh, all over the world and of course uh, the political sphere which is the most resisting who will one day go beyond the asanas and the breathing exercises and even the techniques of meditation and they will want to have the grain of gold and the more this this kind of humanity develops in our midst who use again we are using the word yoga not in the yogic sense but only to make their body and mind fit and imagine as a aside how dangerous it can be if you have a strong body and a strong mind but the consciousness is still dwarf you know the rakshasas and asuras of old practiced yoga of this kind they actually practice yoga asanas so always it should be accompanied by something greater so in that process we also have not only the yoga we uh, thanks to krishna for reminding us because we had started with krishna other than the yoga or the raj yoga which start from the mind we have the trimarg the yoga of shri krishna of the gita which starts from another ground from the inner being so we have the physical yoga hatha yoga we have the yoga which comes from the mind the raj yoga we have the trimarg which start from the inner being it takes human emotions human thought and human will and again by purification and concentration and renunciation of all that is not necessary it arrives at the doors of the creator
and then Shirobinda's yoga, which is Shirobinda has used it as a adhyatma yoga because it starts from a still higher ground. It starts from that higher ground where one uh, takes that the soul is involved in the mind, but discovers it, and from that point the real journey begins. So we have these different kinds of yogas and many, many others, many brands of yoga. That's a different story altogether. But its ultimate goal, as Sri Krishna says, that he gave the yoga to create this world. Through yoga, he creates and sustains the world. And through yoga, he seeks to transform the world into some image of the original divine truth, which is hidden elsewhere, which we are searching unconsciously. And uh, when we search it unconsciously, then it is subconscious yoga. But when we seek it consciously, then it becomes conscious yoga. When we seek it only for an individual release, freedom from this whole city, this body of uh, suffering and pain, then it becomes a selfish yoga, if I may use the word. (laughs) But when we seek it to become the bridge between the higher, the divine reality and this world which needs it, to change into something divine, then we engage in the completest possible utility of yoga and the entire fullness of yoga which comes when man, the individual, connecting with the creator, extends this yoga not only for his own sake but into the entire human race and through the human race into the entire creation. This is the great vision that Sri has placed before us Let us hope and pray that on this day, as years roll by, human beings will awaken to this wider vision, vaster vision. Shobindo said that only hundred men are required who can be of pure gold. (laughs) This is always the initial breakthrough which is the difficult part. Once that breakthrough takes place, it has a cascading effect. So let us hope that we have completed 99 (laughs) and there is just that one person which is the tipping point. May each one of us be that one person. Thank you.